See, there's a guy that doesn't get. I, you know, I never, I never mentioned his name. I never mentioned Seth on these. Seth Noseworthy, our our front of house engineer, who also edits these podcasts. He'll edit that out just because he gave him a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> no, we call him Nose. And anyway, well, what else did you pay him to do? He I tried to pay him. To, he, he he bought Fortnite. this this Fortnite costume, like a nine dollar job from Target, a onesie, and and he wore it during a show. He's out in the front of the house, so he's the guy that stands by the console in the front. And he had this this ridiculous like adult sized child's costume Ooh. on. So I, I told him I'd I'd pay him to wear it th- for the rest of the tour. And uh, we haven't come to terms yet, but we're talking about. Well, he, he, no, you did come to terms. Two, two he, beers. You just didn't want to take it. He said two beers and a half two, a joint. Two beers and I a half him, a joint. I told him yeah. today when he got here, I was like, "Dude, you had Cody at his mercy, and you didn't even you didn't even take advantage." <laughs> oh, all right. Shout out to Nose. We love you, Nose. Right. Okay, to my right, as always, Bobby Keith Kilgore. To my left, per usual, yeah. per usual, yeah, Josh Thompson. And uh, we're we're without Hot Rod today. He is with his uh, his sweetheart. And to Bobby Keith's right, our our special guest for today, esteemed, esteemed, very uh, esteemed. songwriting, singing guru, has his own show at the Exit Inn. Has so many hits that we're going to have to talk about. Mister Kendall Marvel. Morning. How are you, sir? I'm good. I guess it really is morning. And that's for, for us musicians. Here's how you start these things out. And that's it oh, right there. there we and, go. One, and that's it. It's and I, I forgot to say we're a couple in because we're a couple in. We're still foaming <laughs> from the carrying of the backpack. In yeah, we backpack beers. Okay, so <laughs> we we had a we had a a, a short night because we jumped on the bus last night. We're in Nashville, Tennessee, right now. It's about one o'clock, mm-hmm. and uh, we had to haul ass here, drop the buses off to get service, get all this stuff set up. We're sitting in our hotel room, which we'll I'm sure we'll talk about my hotel room. But well, uh, I mean. It's the graduate. It's the graduate. It's it's nice. It's we'll unlike get, we'll hotels I stay in on the road. That's what I was gonna say. Name you, one difference. You had <laughs> price. <laughs> <laughs> no, these are pretty. We got a good deal. I heard. I mean, you just got in. I you, did, and you just got in, and you're gonna sleep in your bed tonight, and then yep. you're leaving again tomorrow. Come home. Where, where were you at? See the wife for a conjugal visit and visit yeah. with her. <laughs> That's what I call them too, right? Yeah, yeah. I come in from uh, South Carolina and then uh, heading to the nice, sunny, warm weather of Minneapolis. Oh, tomorrow. that's where we just came from. Yeah, just there. Let's have fun. Yeah. No, they're, they're... It's Minneapolis, Madison, Chicago, Creve Le Cure. I'm not even sure how you say it. Louisville, home for two days, then Alaska. Are you doing this whole run with Hauser or just the Alaska no, run? No, uh, we're head. That's our first little headlining run. Those. Five days. I said I'm just doing Alaska with Hauser. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So you're not going to be gone too terribly long. No. Let's dive into the to the to the 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 fun stuff. The dirt. Mm, boy. I found so much dirt on you. Oh, it's out there. I'm sure. <laughs> I called so many people that you have pissed off. Now that I can believe. Yeah. <laughs> you've you've been here a long time. Twenty two years. Be twenty two years this summer. Quick t- math, Bobby Keith. It's a, it's twenty now, so that's uh, like two thousand two. Ninety eight. That would be eighteen sorry, years yeah, ago, sorry. my friend. 
Yeah, jeez, man, jeez. Can't put me on the spot. He's like that little guy on Jimmy Kimmel. What's that little guy Jimmy Kimmel has? Oh, oh, um, Guillermo. 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 He's Guillermo, isn't he? Yeah. Oh Oh, man. So you have a you have a really unusual story, and I know that you've told this story a million times. Something really unique happened in your career when you first moved out here. The first day you were here, you wrote, dare to say, one of the biggest songs of the last 25 years. Yeah, I got pretty lucky. Yeah, can you tell me about that and how to do something like that, you know? for Well, if, if I knew how to do it consistently, <laughs> I probably wouldn't be out here hitting the road near as much. I'd be sitting here cashing checks. But, uh, man, I moved here in the July of 98, and uh, I had a pretty good little regional following where I grew up in southern Illinois, which is about three hours northwest of here. And... Played music, you know, all my life. That's all I'd ever done. And kind of got tired of that and burned out and had, had a couple youngins. My dad gave me a job. I worked at a tire factory for a little while up there, General Tire in Mount Vernon, Illinois. And uh, he gave me a gig. Him and his wife inherited this mom-and-pop motel up there in, in Marion, Illinois. And he said, won't you work for me and I'll give you... He knew I still wanted to come down here. You know, I was 28, getting on the older side to up and move and try something, you know. Or I felt like I was old at the time. Looking now, you know... I was just a baby, 28. But So he let me work for him. Then he'd give me a day or two a week to come down here. And that lasted for a little while. And then he finally said, why don't you just move and I'll pay you for a year, keep you on the payroll. So I said, all right. And like a dumbass, I told him, I said, well, if, here's the deal. If I get any, so I you know, learned a little bit about publishing, about songs, and uh, had met some songwriters and started writing songs. And he said, if I, uh, I said, if I get anything recorded for that first year while you're paying me, I'll give you the publishing on it. And, well, like I say, that bit me in the ass, you know, because... Uh, you don't say. I wrote my first hit. My and, the song, and the song is... Uh, right Where I Need to Be for Gary Allen. Yeah, which and was absolutely huge. It was a it was a huge hit, yeah. 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 It was uh, a 50-week number three song, I think, two or three, whatever it went to. It was top five and sold a couple million records. And, uh, yeah, Dad, he took his four or $500,000 and bought him a house down the Keys. <laughs> Jeez! Wow! Yeah, that see, uh, lesson to uh, young artists: publishing is where the money is at. <laughs> that was my actual go-to karaoke song. Is that right? I mean, I, well, I, I wish we had a karaoke I, machine. I, 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 would, I would like, like to, to hear that. that. Yeah. Loved that song growing up. So, was that a blessing or a curse to walk in your basically your first day? Oh my God! How could it be a curse? I mean, it's like. I didn't have to get a gig. You know what I mean? I didn't. Most songwriters, you move here and you you work a job or two, and and you try to write at nighttime. And you know when all the other professional songwriters they ain't writing at nighttime. They're writing you know in the daytime and going home with their families at nighttime. So yeah, I mean there's no way they could be a curse. It's like yeah, I mean the next one took a little longer. Was but there I made pressure? Enough, I made enough money on that one. Okay, like, I'm gonna hang <laughs> okay, on. Okay, all right, all right, all right. That was that was really the question. It's like it's like so yeah. After that, you know, it's like well. Was there still money coming in, or yeah? Oh hell yeah! There was a bunch of money coming, more money than I'd ever seen. You know, yeah, there for a while. So there, there wasn't wasn't a whole lot of pressure on you to. No, I mean you kind of you know you you build yourself up to that, and then you start writing with people who'd had a lot of success, and you and you you want to have more than one. You know, when you go do a show or something, you everybody else playing five or six hits, you don't want to be the guy to. I shouldn't say you don't want to be the guy because everybody wants a hit song, but sure, uh, you want more than one to play. That's for sure, no doubt. Uh, let's talk records. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. October 2017 is when Low Down Alone Some came out. Mm-hmm. 
Keith Gaddis produced that one. He did, yeah. And for anybody listening to this show, if you don't have that record, get that record. That's not what I want to talk about right now. I want to talk about your new record, Solid Gold Sounds, which came out October of last year, mm-hmm. 19. Yep. Which was, we're just uh, three or four months removed. A few months ago, yeah. So we actually listened to the record a couple times on the bus last mm-hmm. night and we're taking notes. You you have some really cool, almost like old school rhythm and blues stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And it really showcases your voice. Yeah. You know, I think I think that record uh, showcases it more so than Low Down and Lonesome did. Agreed. Uh, you know, Low Down was more of an angsty, sure. honky tonk in your face grit, which I love. You know, that's cut my teeth on that stuff. When I went to make this record, uh, Dan Arbach from the Black Keys produced that record. Him and Dave Ferguson, who they produces Tyler Childers and Sturgill and Margot Price, some of them folks. They wanted to showcase that a little more, you know, and 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 they knew I was a better singer than what they had heard. They they thought I was like, man, we heard you sing, and why don't you sing a little easier, you know, be a little more croonery on some of this stuff, you know, not every song. And uh, they had me singing a lot low in a lot lower key than I normally would have, you know, I normally would have been honking in that microphone, you know, like you do live, you know. Yeah. And in the studio, and Arabax, he's sharp, you know. He was like, man, let's uh, let that microphone do the work. You know, you don't you don't have to sing like that in here, which I knew that, but it's just I was just so used to doing it. And I was like, hey, "Did you hear my first record?" You know, when he when we started doing this stuff, and he was like, "Yeah, I heard your first record." He said, "You don't want to do that again, do you?" It hit me pretty heavy, and I was like, "Nah, you're right. I don't want to do that again. I've already done that record. Let's do something different." So it was a whole different set of dudes. I mean, the guys he uses on his records are uh, it's the old Memphis crew, you know, uh, from uh, Chips Moman days. You know, they. They played on everything from uh, In the Ghetto to Good Time Charlie's Got the Blues to Pretty Woman. I mean, them guys, uh, he brought them basically out of retirement. Nobody was using those old dudes anymore. I mean, the youngest guy in the band saw the Beatles. That's that's The drummer's 80. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, that drummer's 80 years old. Wow. Yeah, so it's like, holy shit, these old dudes still got it. I mean, these why are people not using these dudes? You know, people say, man, I want it just to sound retro. Them guys are retro. They've started that shit. <laughs> like, why are you? Why are you trying to sound yeah. it? Uh, yeah. Just get those guys. Yeah. You know what the hell's the matter with y'all? God, that's awesome. So that's, and and I like that you brought up your vocals because I kind of wanted to go there, even though Cody mentioned low down and lonesome. Because personally, I you know I, I, I've seen you a couple of times. There was the uh, a, 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 out together. there stagecoach, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and and, and, uh-huh. and I saw saw you do. And you know, Cody, he actually live vocally he reminds me a lot of a uh, Tom McElvain. Yeah, you know, he just, does. You know, I mean, you can like two of the hardest it. singing. I mean, guys, live and, and, and it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. But what really? So that's what I had in my head because. Sure. That's what Low Down and Lonesome mm-hmm. was. But when you, when you did uh, Solid Country Sounds. Solid Gold Sounds. Oh, get sorry. your shit together, man. Damn Jeez, it. Man, you do it. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to go off the top of my head. Solid Gold Sounds. There was that side of you that I was like, I did not know that you could do that. Right. And uh, I thought, hey, I thought it was really cool. And um, from, from the producer side of things, I was, you know, I was like, you know what? That's really cool that Dan was able to see that in you and, yeah. and bring that out of you. And I mean, just how has that changed the way that you've gone about things? I mean, that's only been you know six months ago or so. Sure. So uh, live, I mean, especially you know we're we're doing a lot of the new record and most of the old record. So 
we've still got that in your face honky tonk stuff, but for sure, it saves my voice. You know, when you're doing three, four, five nights in a row, if you sing low down and lonesome over and over, man, that that wears on you. That wears on an old man. And uh, so it's it's a hell of a lot easier to sing live. Uh, some of it's a little harder to play because we had a little bigger band than than what we did on the last one. But uh, you know, we're we're getting there. I just remember listening, you know, to that record and, and thinking and laughing to myself, thinking he's a fucking way better singer than most of the people he's been pitching songs to for the past <laughs> twenty fucking years. Well, you know, I moved here to be an artist, and 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 that didn't, you know, the songwriting thing just took off, like I said, immediately for yeah. me. And my kids were little, and uh, not that I didn't want an artist deal because I had had a little deal at RCA for a minute, and uh, nothing just ever panned out. And you know, probably for the there was a reason for that. You know, I, I was young and probably an idiot. You know, I probably would have. Just being a fool and screwed it up. Yeah. So you know, now that I'm old enough to know better, uh, I think Still that's the way it works out. Still too young to care. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Sing it, Guillermo. <laughs> so I've heard you mention that a few times. You know, you know the kids are grown now, and 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 now in some, and I guess a lot of ways, you know, you work with your daughter now. I do. Yeah, she manages me. Yeah. 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 Talk about that. She's, she's How, part of that I mean, true like, grit. She's part of that true grit family. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's hard to fire her, you know, if she don't do her job. But uh, but dad, no, yeah, exactly. Uh, 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 it's not only that. It's mom's in my ear over here too. Like, you can't fire her. That's our kid. Yeah. Oh hell. So yeah. But no, it's been great. It's yeah. been great. Yeah. And the true grit thing. You coming? You coming on? Like yeah. you said today, uh, to the dark side. To the dark side, yeah. that's right. To the like, as you said, the land of misfit toys. The land of misfit toys. <laughs> that's exactly what. Yeah, that's what we have. So, yeah, it's a, a fairly recent development. Yeah, so. January first. Yeah, yeah, very mm-hmm. cool stuff, man. Back to that Gary Allen song. It peaked at number five. Number five. Number right. five. Yep, I knew it was Hell up yeah, there somewhere. Man. Which I also read that was the longest charting charting song, song for the for decade of the 2000s. Yeah, that sounds about I, right. I, I think yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I did a little research, and I think that's the... Uh, yeah. You know, the uh, the charts will scare you to death as a songwriter because you, yeah. you try not to watch them you know, every week when they come out, but you you can't help yourself. You like Okay, so, and one other thing, because one other thing that I want researching that song, um, apparently that was a uh, underground swell. That wasn't even the single. It was... Right. Were you aware that that's that that was? I knew going there was on? a couple radio stations playing, and apparently on Billboard there was a rule. I don't know if it's still a rule or not, but after if it goes negative spins for two weeks in a row, they have to pull it. That station does, and for like a month, and then they can play it again. Well, some Texas stations, I think maybe Houston, Dallas, a couple of those big markets down there started playing that song before it was a single. And it lost its bullet, and then they had to quit playing it, and that probably cost it from being a little bigger hit mm-hmm. than what it, you know it might have went two, one, whatever. But uh, money ain't no different, you know, ain't yeah. no difference between five and one, yeah, you absolutely. know, really in, in paychecks. So, and uh, title tracks, you got a couple of those. I got, I've, I've been pretty blessed with the title tracks, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just well, know how to write those hits, man. Well, I mean, that lonesome I, song, yeah, that's one of my favorites, oh. man. That's. When I play live, you know, I'll, I'll do a little segment in the middle of my show where I'll do a couple couple tunes that I've written for other people, and uh, I exclude. Yeah, that's when you steal the show. I, I exclude some hits. Yeah. <laughs> to play stuff like that lonesome song and uh, yeah. hard living for Chris Stapleton, you know, stuff that's really cool. I, I leave a couple hits out of there just just to play that stuff because I love it. And you, and you need to leave a well. couple more out whenever somebody's doing a song swap with you because whenever you start ripping out your hits, <laughs> like. <laughs> 
I mean, I know firsthand. I can tell you this happened. Well, let's go there. Yeah. Well, I mean, Alaska, we were in Alaska this last summer. We got invited up. I, I, I did it for $75. <laughs> Is that what Art told you? <laughs> he says, hey, come up. He said, he got me with going fishing. He said, we can go up and uh, you're right outside of uh, right outside of Anchorage and, and we're going to go uh King salmon fishing, right? Mm-hmm. I said, okay, cool. And I, 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 I knew my manager, Arthur, was going to fight me on this because, you know, I wasn't making $80. I was right. only making $75. <laughs> and I said, well, no, Art, I said, let's go. I said, you need to go with me. So we, we caught a flight up there. And, and uh, this is a funny story, too. We had uh, Kendall and his lovely wife, Randa, were already at the fish camp. We were to fly out via float plane, you know, those planes that, uh, take off and land on water scary looking little bastards <laughs> so we were to take one of those the next morning and on our plane was ken peltier mm-hmm. um, singer songwriter out of uh out of alaska native alaskan yeah native alaskan hell of a nice guy awesome guy me my manager arthur joe nichols and his wife heather yeah that's right yep you we, remember names really good by the way i, I well, I, I was thinking about this story, too, because I hadn't thought much about it because it's kind of things you try to push out of your head. Because <laughs> we look at that plane, and Joe turns around and goes, hope you guys aren't the others today. And we're like, we're like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, if we go down, you know it's going to say Joe Nichols and others die in float plane, <laughs> die in float plane crash. <laughs> it lightened the mood a little bit. Oh, that's awesome. But no, we had a good time, man. I whipped your ass fishing. You're full of shit. I did. Oh, we, and, and, and you just talked so much shit. Well, oh, it, what, just, what it is, now let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you the well, truth. You know, if you was, see me and Jinx standing next to each other and you see, see me catch a fish, was, and yeah. you see Jinx catch a fish, it just looks bigger when he holds it. <laughs> Compared to you. This is, yeah. this is true. Yeah. Kind of like yes. taking a whiz next to each other. So same I've thing. Got, it yeah. looks bigger when, when Jinx has a hole. So, he's such a little fella. I'm, catch, I'm, catching, I'm catching 10 pounders. That looked like his thirty pounders because exactly. we're you know, yeah, you know, little hands, no, little hands. I really did because Arthur, we went out. <laughs> golly. see, that's what that's what that's what it was like on the boat with him. That's constant. That's, it's all now, it was. It's all it was in, was just yeah. absolute just shit talking when we were on the boat fishing, shit talking around the campfire at night, which was another strange phenomenon to me. There was no night because the sun never went down. Exactly. So you're sitting out there drinking beer, and you look at your watch. You're like, "Oh shit, it's two. That's right. We get up and I get drinking. My wife say, "When are you going to bed?" I said, "When it gets dark, I'm going to bed." So yeah, there's not much going to bed. No, no, it no, it tripped me. And out. we actually. Much as we give shit about the fishing, uh, we fished Art under the table. Poor Art. I think he, he kept catching the jacks, they the call jacks, them. The jacks, which are kind of like... <laughs> like carp. The little... <laughs> yeah, they're like carp of the, the Yetna River. Like you know, the, the carp of the salmon. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, you don't even want to touch those. You just kind of try to hit them on the side yeah. of the boat and you know, get them off the hook. But we did. We had a, we had a good time doing that, man. That was, a, that was really a lot of fun. And, and yeah. we all caught big fish. And... It was well. I, I couldn't take any home. They were on a on a conservation yeah. year retention. I think retention, they call it, yeah. yeah, retention yeah. year. So I couldn't take any. Yeah, home. I think this year that's not going to be. So we got to find. A, I'm going obviously, but yeah. we got to find a way to get you back up there this year where we can. I mean, you might as well bring take some home money. Money, money. Hey, I'm all about it. I want to make more too. 
<laughs> that ain't uh, my money. No, you know, it's, it's funny, too, because th- that was my first, like, live bear experience because I didn't believe there were actually bears back behind the camp, but there were two bears, mm-hmm. which I was told were the equivalent of teenagers. Yeah. They were kind of mischievous. Mm-hmm. And they were like, hey, Cody, bears are back there, and mm-hmm. I'd go tramping off back there. And like, Art was oh, like, Cody, don't go back there. So Art's like, Cody, they're real bears. And I'm like, Art, they're fucking with me. They're not real bears. There's not any real bears back here, okay? I was like, come on. And like, I go up, and I'm just like, holy shit, that's a real bear. And Art's like, Cody, come back. Yeah. You know, like trying to reel in yeah. a five-year-old. Don't go any closer. Well, he, he knows where his bread's buttered. Hell, he don't want his damn cash cow to get eaten. <laughs> oh, man. Gosh, you know what's funny? I, I didn't realize that about black bears either, because I always worry about grizzly or brown bear, you know, when I'm up there in, in that country. But the guy, one of the guys up there, the fishing guy, was like, you know, a, a grizzly or a, a brown bear will run at you, try to scare you off. They don't want to particularly attack you. He said, but a black bear, he said, if a black bear ever charges, they're coming to eat you. He's like, they're, they're not running at you to scare you. Yeah. And black bears, only, I guess, the only bear that does that. And like, well, that's good to know because some of them yeah. don't get very big. Like, oh, look at that little cute little bear over there. There was a couple in, you get up one morning and see them up in the tree. Up they're there? in the tree. I got pictures of yeah. them. Yeah. They'd shake that damn tree and have that whole fir tree, man, just rock. And you think, man, that looks like a little bear, but no. That those, little dude right there put a hurt on her down those, the whole country. It kind of sounds like a bar fight. Yeah. Yeah, like a bar fight with a badass dude, what it would be. I'm just talking about like I don't. I'm not going to mess with the little guy. Yeah, he's, well, you he's know. not as little as he looks. In no, because no, <laughs> yeah. they're not. Because they think you know, just like a teenage sized bear, like that bear probably weighs 175, 200 pounds. Sure, you know, big enough for me to look at it and go, no. Yeah, I don't want no part of I'm that. I'm not getting dude. closer than yeah. that, especially a teenager. I have, I just had this question for you. Talk about, about, I, of what I'm thinking of it, you said a while ago about Joe Nichols, Joe Nichols, and others in a in a plane, yeah, or in a plane thing, yeah. That made me think of uh, when I first moved here. I got to write uh, for three days in a row with Harlan Howard, and uh, actually we've done more drinking than we did anything. But no. uh, but you know Harlan's a, probably the best, most known songwriter of all time. Sure, you know, wrote so many great songs, and his son Perry worked at uh, BMI for years with writer rep over there, and uh, Perry used to drive Harlan around because Harlan would get shit-faced. And, you know, he always had a big, long car, and he'd ride in the back seat. Perry would drive him, and uh, he told me the story. He said they pulled out on Hillsborough Road here one day and pulled out in front of somebody, you know, just about got hit. And Harlan said, God damn it, son. I can just read the headlines tomorrow. Famous songwriter, unknown driver, killed in crash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same, uh, same thing. Same thing. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. Joe Nichols and others <laughs> and others. Well, and the three singers are looking at each other like, "Oh shit." <laughs> my my question was: This is serious. A serious question. It's time time to be serious in part of the interview, like the Barbara Walters portion, where I'm mm, gonna, I want to try interesting. To, you know, sure. Really get down to it. Um, in the hard time with the truth video, mm-hmm. uh, what's what's in that box? <laughs> Man, that's the truth. The truth is the truth. You're, you're burying the truth. Well, yeah. Okay, well, well then. Well, here. haven't you seen? Haven't you seen Pulp Fiction? Yeah. You know when he got that suitcase and that's and he opens it up and, and nobody the, nobody knows what's in that nobody, suitcase. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay, so so that's what. That so my from. second question is, why didn't you bury it deeper? You only buried that motherfucker like that well, deep because I might need to dig it back up again. No, you need to dig deeper hole for the truth, well, man. Was, you you seen me sweating? It was I mean, hotter than hell. That's, that's <laughs> as deep as that hole was going. I mean, you know, it's like really that's like you're gonna go through this whole video and you got this badass old looking case and you don't know what's in it and you're gonna dig a shoebox size hole for it. Come on, man. Matter of fact, I didn't even dig the hole. The guys who done the video. <laughs> 
I was like, I ain't going out there and digging that damn I mean, hole. You could have got at least a little You're getting paid gallon for this of shit. water and at least soften that thing up no a little kidding. bit. No kidding. And it was, it was hot. It was July. And yeah, it was just, it was 100 degrees outside. Yeah. It was the worst day possible to so. do a video. And of course, I have a, they was like, hey, wear that black Levi jacket. And I was like, it's 100 damn degrees. Yeah, so where cool. was it at? Uh, that was out in Mount Juliet, out at the Bradley barn, actually, where Owen Bradley, uh, that re- he cut so many records out there, you know. It was just a, it's a famous, very famous studio back in the day. Sometimes you just gotta let it go. Oh my goodness, that's what he does. Are you he, quote my song. He, he, that's what he, yeah. Which I think should, I think George Strait should cut that song. Hey, by God, if any, George Strait wants to cut any of my songs, he's welcome to any of them. Like I heard that song and I was like, George, George Strait could go with that man. What about Twang? You can talk about Twang. Yeah, Twang. George Strait's title track. Yeah, and that was actually a single and a and a decent little hit. I wrote that with uh, Jimmy Ritchie and Jim Lauderdale, and Jim's one of my favorite. Jim's awesome singer songwriters and super uh, nice guy too. Oh, he's one of the best guys in the world. You know, one of the strangest individuals I've been around in my life. He's unique. Oh, he's very unique. Yeah, and I, I call him Weirdo Jim all the time. <laughs> He'd show up and to write in these velour sweat clothes like look like his nineteen seventy two. Like Conway Twitty used to. Oh wear. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and he'd have that hair, you know, just. I'd always say, Jim, you got a capo up in that hair or a tuner? You know, I'd just be messing with <laughs> him all the time. something up in there. And he, he is, he's a wild man. He he's came in one looking. time, me and him and Angelina Presley from Pissolani's, you know, I was uh, writing a song, and he had lost his voice. So he was, you ever write a song with somebody who can't speak with a mute? And it's, it's pretty strange. He, was, uh, he would just write stuff out with a Sharpie on this little marker board he had. And we'd have to say, I don't like that. It makes for a long day, writing with somebody who can't speak. Yeah, but you got to figure if you can get one out of that, you think what a unique experience. Hey, I wrote a bunch of songs with Lauderdale, and he is a he's a unique individual. Yeah, one of my favorite favorite guys to write with. I still have a run sheet from we did. Um, what was that show that we did that he was hosting? It was on TV. Uh, music, music, oh, city uh, music, music, city, city roots. roots. Oh, yeah, yeah th- that's mm-hmm. how we met. Nose. Yeah, that's anyway, how we met sorry. our front of house engineer too. But I still have the run sheet that Jim had given me that night for a song that we were doing together because we did a Merle Haggard song together. And he knows every country song ever written. <laughs> he's a jukebox. He's, he is. He's, yeah. he's so incredible. Yeah, I mean, and and he told us about crank some records out. That dude makes he'll make two or three a year. Yeah, and he'll go like to London and make one with some random dude in England, and then go to Australia and make a record. He's like, what the hell are you doing? I guess he just likes to go make records other places. I don't know. Some people just love that studio time, man. He's an interesting couple of fellas, old Jim. <laughs> oh, he's he awesome. told me one time, he uh, back in the 90s, you know, when uh, people was really making just shitloads of money writing songs, everybody was selling a million. You know, you, if you had a platinum record and only sold a million, they'd drop you. You know, like everybody was just selling millions of records. And He had a huge draw at, at, at this company, and he said, I was just recouping off of just album cuts, you know, with Dixie Chicks and, and stuff like that. And they went, him and his girlfriend went somewhere. He lives here in town in Nashville, but they went downtown at the Hermitage Hotel or something and uh, spent the night and liked it so much that they stayed for a year <laughs> in it's a hotel of, in the town he lived in. That's like wow. some Rolling Stones stuff. Yeah, it's kind of rock. He's, he's kind of rock and roll. Wow. Jim is a rock and roll dude. That is awesome. Yeah. Enough about Jim Lauderdale. This ain't his damn... We ain't talking about Jim all day. Yeah, screw Jim Lauderdale. Screw Jim Lauderdale. Screw one of the greatest country songwriters, <laughs> songwriters of all time. <laughs> you know, I met Tennessee Jet through Jim Lauderdale. I've never met Tennessee Jet. Are you kidding no, me? No, never have, huh? Oh, oh man. TJ, where you at? I would I would love to see you guys go back and forth. 
Yeah. Okay, so I, that that got me thinking about just this thing. What happened? Because you, you were obviously um you got in on the kind of the tail end of that yeah. era, but I think you what happened to songwriting like that? Uh, the machine. Yeah, you I know, mean, something, I, something happened. There was there was a uh, there was a pivotal point. Yeah, but why? Uh, I mean, I I don't. I don't understand why, and and like I, I don't said, either. I, I don't either. But I mean, I think maybe some of these people who started taking over labels wasn't necessarily Nashville people, wasn't necessarily country music people. They was bean counters from L.A. or New York, you know. And all they look at is bottom line. How can we make the most money possible? And they're coming from the pop world. It's a whole different ballgame. There's more money in the pop world. Everybody knows that most of the time, anyway. And somebody, I don't know. They're, they're you know, maybe the bro country thing started happening and. And uh, those boys, Florida Georgia Line, and I've known both of those boys since they was in college. They both came to me, wanted to write a song, and I wrote a song with them, and nothing ever, you know, came about it. Good boys. And I think if once they hit and their thing took off and everybody's seen that happen, and we're, they're notorious Nashvilleists for following other people, then everybody else tried to do what they were doing. And I think people wouldn't have got burnt out on them near as quick if they had just left well enough alone, let let them guys do their thing, you do yours. There's room for everybody. If you look at the radio back in the 80s, we had Dwight Yoakam, Randy Travis, Lyle Lovett, uh, Steve Earle. All this shit was going on, was happening, and was really cool, and, re- and everybody was completely different. And, everybody, and nobody tried to be somebody else, and it worked. And then we become a town of, that's working, let's all do that. That's why I quit writing songs for other people. I mean, I mean, I still write songs. You know, I still write with Stapleton and Brothers Osborne, people, Cody, people that I respect and like what they do. But as far as, like, writing songs and trying to, uh, looking at a pitch sheet when I go to the office and see who's cutting and what they're looking for, nah, fuck that. I'm I'm done with that. I just couldn't, I couldn't look myself in the mirror and write those kind of songs. So that kind of, being able to just go and be a Harlan Howard, you know, which most people wouldn't be anyway. Mm -hmm. But to to just try to write great songs every day, they they don't cut them anymore. They don't cut those songs, and that's there's there's a lot. They're still here, that they just don't record them anymore, which sucks. But low down and lonesome, that was the beginning of it for you. Saying, "Yeah, I'm done with this." Yeah, I watched Chris Stapleton on the 2015 CMA Awards, and I knew there was a chance for. When you know, you've known coolness. Chris for a long time, oh, right? God, since he moved here. Yeah, I mean, we've written yeah. 60 songs together, and we had a lot of cuts. Josh Turner, Leanne Womack, Blake Shelton. We've had we had a ton of cuts together, just writing songs together. And he was always that guy, too. He never chased anything. He would just write a song, and he'd sing so good. People thought if they recorded his songs, they could sing them like him, which never mm-hmm. is never going to happen, obviously. No. But, yeah, when he played that night, it was like, all right, there is room for somebody who don't look like everybody else, who's not young, who don't wear tight pants, who don't uh, sing about cutoffs and tailgates and yeah. bonfires, you know? Yeah. And uh, I called Keith Gaddis. He was the first guy I thought of. We're old friends, written songs together, and I heard some stuff he had done. Obviously, knew he's a great guitar player. Played with Dwight Yoakam for years. Great producer, you know. Just done really. I loved his records. They'd done on himself, so he was the first. I, nobody else crossed my mind but him. And he was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll cut a record on you." Oh yeah. And shit, we had a blast. Had a blast. That's awesome, man. Um, let's touch on your your newer record again, though. Um, Solid Gold Sounds. I listened to this song I, I, yesterday. Actually, the guys. But but I listened to it earlier in the day, and I and I was listening to the record and just kind of going around. And that song did something to me where I had to actually go back and listen to it again. Oh, nice! A, it's the sound. It's for me. I feel like that's a 
that's a classic country sound. That's what we're going for, yeah. And for me, it, it was heartache and heartbreak. Sure. And one thing that, that hit me when I was lit is nobody writes like that anymore. Well, I know. What, to, why? And, and to interject the heartache and heartbreak, the song Hold On, dude, that's a tearjerker. Yeah. I like tearjerkers. I do too. Yeah. And you don't, people don't put enough of those on records anymore. Right. And when we was making that record dance, what he said, he said, let's, you know, let's do some songs you know, that, that girls and other people besides, you know, stuff that don't make you want to stop at Stucky's and start a fist fight, you know, <laughs> let's do some, you know, some love songs, you know, some people don't do love songs anymore either, you know. No. Is there a reason for that? Oh, the hell, they, they want to dance, you know, they want to, they want that thump and that bass kicking in people's face. And, you know, I go play these festivals and it's like, it's like a DJ steps off stage and then we get up there and, we don't, as like you guys, we don't have any tracks whatsoever. What you yeah. hear is coming off the guys. Stage. Is the guys playing on stage? My band, and yeah. when we make a mistake, we make a mistake. You know, we ain't, there ain't no track to cover it up. Okay, so because of that, is that why you're going this direction now? Absolutely, I hate that shit. You know, it's just like, yeah, I want, I want to do real, real music that stirs emotions. You know, I mean, that's what music's about. Not just sitting there feeling that bass like you're in a dance club. I want. Real music, you know, stuff that I want to, I want to drop a needle on that first song and walk off and hear that whole side and flip that damn record over and do the same thing and like everyone, you know, it, it, it's a roller coaster. I want to hear ups and downs. I want to dance. I want to laugh. I want to almost cry. You know, I don't like. Amen. That. That's that's the whole thing. That's what people come to live shows for. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. Take them. It, it is a roller coaster. I. I say that all the time it's like you gotta take them on a ride sure you know it's like they want to go up and they want to go down and they want to feel they're there for the rawest form of emotion sure i remember how it felt you know in in just being a music fan and all of us sitting here obviously music fans that's why we're all sitting here but when you went to a show and you could feel the kick yeah like feel that thing, dude. You know, mm-hmm. and it's and it's like it's it's up there. And you know, if as long as the music's good, the lyrics are good, you know, got a good song. You go to a Haggard show and man, you hear, think I just stay here and drink. Then they turn around here, misery and gin. It's like, oh man, yeah, it's a roller coaster. It's like you're party, and then you're like, damn, that hurts. I remember standing on a uh, standing on a chair at Billy Bob's in Fort Worth when I was 19, drunk off my ass, slinging my long neck Bud Light bottle. You have a fake ID? No, I'll, I'll, oh. t- I'll tell you how that happened, though. Uh, just with with uh, tears rolling down my face, having a moment. Sure. You know, that was... Uh, my, my wife surprised me with uh, with Merle Haggard tickets and just... Remember- when you was 19, so you you was with... You know, that's, a, that's another thing. I, I, was, I was hoping that would come up. I think when we first met... That was a big camaraderie between me and you. Yeah. We have both been with the same women since we were yeah, kids. Yeah, we've talked about that yeah. on several occasions. Yeah, and it's 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 rare. It is rare. This, uh, yeah, you and Randa have been, and I know your wife, and and, mm-hmm. and and you've met mine as well, and they're both just the most lovely. Tolerant. Tolerant is a Tolerant great, yeah. great word yeah. for both of them. Yeah, yeah. it is. I've been with Randa since 1986. 86. I was 16. Wow. She was 15. Okay, yeah. Uh, me and Rebecca. It was. I just, not- congratulations. Thank you. I think that's amazing. Well, it ain't nothing for me. Well, it was, it was like her, <laughs> top, her putting up with me. You know. No, and and the it's an identical parallel. We've been together yeah. since 97. I was 16. She was 15. Yeah. See, there you go. So yeah, it's funny, man. Um, because it it does work. It does happen. It's a rarity. Yeah, it is very rare. Yeah. 
It is a rarity. Not that she don't get pissed at me. She's probably pissed at me right now. <laughs> Mine was pissed at me earlier this week. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah, it, and I don't blame her. It, it, I, it you happens. You know, you can't. It does. It does happen. It's all them hormones they deal with, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, it's just, just it's I, it, we're probably the hormones they're dealing with most likely. Like. So I want to go back to one thing real quick it's while you're talking hormones. about why didn't y'all like each other? For why do you want to like him at first? Because he's so good, and he was from oh. Nashville. And <laughs> <laughs> I like how you threw that in there. Right? No, uh, I'm I'm glad you brought that back up. I met him. I met him through Ward Davis. I was down working. Um, I was cutting a record. We were cutting. We were at cutting Omni. at Omni. Oh, I bet we were finishing. We were up, finishing up Devil. Devil. We were finishing up Devil. That's what at we were Omni. Doing. And there's. A bar, it's winners and losers, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's right, two bars sitting right side by bar. side. And Ward came down, and he was just hanging out in the studio, and we were working on I'm Not the Devil, so he was down there, and he said, uh, he said, hey, let's let's go grab a beer at this bar. I don't know if it was the winner side or the loser side. I think we hit both of them. Yeah. We was winners and losers we that was, day, probably. We were breaking <laughs> even, it's all yeah. you can hope for, right? Mm-hmm. We walk in, and there's some people, and everybody in Nashville knows Ward. And most of them know know him as a guy who knocked a guy out. That's a different story. He said, oh, hey, there's Kendall Marvel. You need to come meet this guy. He's a good one. And I was like, yeah, cool, whatever, man. Yeah, we go over, end up having a couple beers and, and shooting the shit and all that. And then uh, some time went by, and I ended up playing your um, – The honky-tonk experience. The honky-tonk experience. Yeah. And you still have that going on, right? I do, yeah. 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 Do you really? Yeah. 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 I did not know that. Yeah, we're only we're only doing it three times this year. But uh, well, yeah, let's we go sh- and promote that real quick. Yeah. We'll do one in April and then okay. September and, and uh December. Awesome, man. Here's a fun fact for people that didn't know. I love this story. You still drive the same truck that you wrote we your just, first song. We just rode over here in it. Yeah. Yeah. We I just, think that's yeah. awesome. Is, I, oops. Does the truck have a name? That's no. I should. I used to name all my, I had a tractor, you know, and I'd name it a song, bought a farm, you know, I was just like, I'd name it all this shit. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, that was the first, uh, I wanted, I wanted a pickup truck and, uh, and I, I liked them. It, it was in 2000. I bought me a, a new Toyota Tundra, King Cab four wheel drive. And 20 years later, my yeah. wife's still on my, she'll be like, won't you go buy a new truck? I was like, cause there ain't a damn thing wrong with that one. Nope. Runs like a top. It looks a little rough. I beat the hell out of it. It's got dents in it and duct tape on the armrests. It and- does. Ar- duct tape, armrests. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I remember I remember the first time I saw that truck. I, I came over to that house. You came ride. over to that house. We had an Airbnb. We were over in a nice Bell Mead. You some Bell Mead, God, man. We were we were huge. in Bell Mead. We shouldn't have even we were staying in a surprised n- they even let you drive through there. Not a nine thousand square foot mansion. Man, is that that big one? Yeah, oh. yeah, it was nice. I stayed in the. You pool stayed in house. the pool house. The pool okay, house itself was bigger than most houses I've ever lived in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was. Anyway, it was insane. So Kendall and I set up a writing appointment. I hate the word writing appointment. Kendall and I were going to write. So he kind of. I'd seen up. you the night before, and he said, "You said write a song. Let's write one tomorrow." And he was like, "I'll call you when I get up." Yeah, me and Josh Morningstar. Me and you and Josh Morningstar. That's right. right. Yeah, me and you yeah. and Morningstar were sitting yeah. there drinking that day. And so the next day you came over and pulls up in this truck and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I thought this guy was successful. (laughs) No, no. I remember thinking to myself, I know this motherfucker's made more money than that. (laughs) I want to keep it that way. Nobody wants to steal that thing, man. You can leave the keys in it. (laughs) Uh, You ought to dive back into the record. Yeah, I I really do. So, so your latest 
So when did you start recording the record? Because um, it came out. It came out in October of, of 2019. Uh, okay, we recorded in December of 2018. Okay, you record it here. Yeah, yeah. Dan Auerbach's got a studio here called Easy Eye. Okay, so I, I, let's just start there. So we have Auerbach. Mm-hmm. Arbach. Okay. I always say Arbach, but yeah, it's Arbach. Uh, yeah. So, so, From so the Dan, Black Keys. He, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's an Akron, Ohio native. He is, yeah. Yes, which we were we, there last night. We played Akron, oh, Ohio right? last yeah, night. Yeah. Yeah. Good year There's theater. some music up in Ohio, man. They, they dig it. Oh, we just spent three days there. Yeah. And also David Ferguson, right? Yeah, Dave Ferguson, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Who Dave introduced me to Dan. Somebody, Clay Bradley, introduced me to Dave. And uh, Dave's exact words was, he's like, man, I like your sound. He said, I'm working with Dan Arbach uh, on on a lot of stuff. He said, I don't take a shit without asking Dan. That's how much I respect him. And Dave, you know, I mean, hell, he's doing Tyler Childers and yeah. Sturgill. And like I said, he's he ain't no slouch. You know, he done all the Johnny Cash stuff with Rick Rubin, you know, the uh, Hurt and all that stuff. So, I mean, yeah. the guy's worked with Cowboy Jack Clement for years, was his engineer. Sharp dude. So, so, uh, so, so because I was reading some stuff before, so Dan, or you and Dan talk, and he expressed interest, and you're like, hey, mm-hmm. have I, have you listened to the, my regular, and from what I gather, he's like, I really don't give a shit what, what you did before. He didn't say that, but basically that's what he meant. But, yeah. but that's what he meant, yeah. because that's yeah. what I, you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, here's, here's, here's what I think, you know. I think we should make a Glenn Campbell, Charlie Rich meets Waylon Jennings record. Okay, which is okay. That, I'm glad you said that because to me, that's that's what I consider country music. Oh, me as well. Great melodies, yeah. Great stills and very conservative production around it. Sure. Well, let the singer do his thing, you know. And 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 the band just added, you know, that's just added stuff. Okay, so and that's why I feel like I'm have been blessed with working with Cody for so long. It's all about. The vocals. Absolutely. And yeah. I think Dan did a really, really, really good, great job. Because like I said before, earlier, I thought you were just kind of this guy that just, I mean, yeah, you had some good vocals, and you can go out there and. Sure, rock them out. But, but, yeah. but man, you, you, they did something with you, and you did it in three days. Yeah, we wrote the. We How wrote the hell the, did that happen? Well, we wrote 17, 15 songs. We cut 17. We wrote 15 songs in a couple of days. And so you then, did a little writing there? I done all the writing at Dan's studio, and then we tracked it. In those three days? And we, well, we, we wrote for two or four days. We done two a days. Oh. It was four days. We wrote, okay. the, we wrote the record in four okay. days, and then we tracked it. We done, we've done the record in three. Yeah. You wrote the record in four days? Mm-hmm. That's what happened we, in your group. We actually wrote 15. We, there's, seven, there's seven songs we cut that... Uh, didn't make the record, you know. We just couldn't remember it down. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a new spark for me. I was kind of in a a dead zone. You know what I mean? I was kind of just wasn't feeling very creative and not writing really good songs. When you just kind of quit the the, the songwriting aspect. Well, no, I was of still it. trying to do it. You know, I was still trying to write songs, but just I just have didn't have no desire to really. You know, I was kind of phoning it in. You know. Mm-hmm. And then I got with him, and it was just a new spark. You know, he's just such a melodic guy. You know, he's more, when we wrote anyway, he was more melody-driven than he was lyrically. But his melody, I mean, he's such a great guitar player. And and even more so than that, he goes back in on those records and plays a lot of stuff. You know, we tracked that live. The vocals were live. All that stuff was going down at the same time. 
But then he would go back in and add, you know, the strings and do some other things. Okay, okay. Yeah. Awesome, okay. But the band, the core band, and the vocals was all but at the, the same time. potatoes, which I call, yeah. in, which is usually about 80% of the record, I would say, yeah. right? Yeah, Was done in three days. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Including I, Every day at the end of the day, they, they, I don't know what it is, they have their rig up there, they have the engineer, Alan Parker, and have... Uh, Dave and Ferg's or Dave's uh, Ferguson spot and then Dan's spot, and they have these little black boxes. I'm not even sure what they are, but they're. There might be the truth in there. Maybe, but they're <laughs> they're mixing. <laughs> that deserves a. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are mixing the whole time. So towards at the end of the night, those songs, you know, the time we get done tracking, those songs are eighty, ninety percent done wow. and mixed. Wow. You know, it's like everything's. It, that's ridiculous. Pretty well sounds that's, like that's a record. really great idea, though. And yeah, I mean, he's on something over there. You know, he's he just done John Anderson's new record, which I love. Ooh. He done uh, Yola, which is rocking right now. I mean, she is. You know, she was just up for a bunch of Grammys. I mean, she is killing it, killing it. Uh, a guy named D White. Uh, he's he's doing uh, a bunch of really cool, bunch of really neat shit right now. I mean, and his just sound is just unique. You know, it's just a unique throwback. Everything, he, every piece of gear he has is vintage. Nothing is new. It's it's all old. All of his guitars, all of his amps, all of his his board. Everything he works with is just vintage equipment. Kind of like the ranch. So, yeah. So so do me a favor. Name name the players. Uh, at least your the key, the drape. Because I think those guys always need recognition. Absolutely, and I'm I'm sure I'm going to leave some of them out. I mean, uh, like I said, just just your main bass drum. Uh, Dave Rowe. Guitar. Okay. Was bass player. Uh, Say that again. Dave Rowe. Okay. Yeah, great player. Uh, Bobby Wood played keys. Bobby's been around for, you know, he played on Good Time Charlie's Got the Blues and, you know, all, all the classic stuff. All these guys did. Uh, Gene Chrisman is the drummer. Uh, Russ Paul played guitar and steel. And Russ was probably the youngest dude in the band, which is funny as shit to me. And Russ, and I've used him on demos forever, you know, around here. Uh, Mike Rojas. Played some keys on it. Uh, oh, Billy Sanford, uh, who is Russ's father-in-law, uh, he played the "Licked Pretty Woman." You know, <laughs> wow. So I mean, but these guys, All he right. played on. Are oh, you sure Hank done it this way? I mean, he's he's probably one of the most recorded guitar players of all time. You know, uh, even more so than Reggie Young, I would think. You know, guys who've classic sounding guys who played on so many hits, and I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out, but I, yeah. I, I so forgot. so were those guys involved in the uh when you guys were writing process to, uh, to I wrote, be there? Uh, we wrote Let It Go with Bobby, Bobby Wood, who okay. played Keys, uh who'd who written a lot of songs in the past, but I think he was the only guy in the band that we that I wrote a song with. So so when you I wrote guys... with John I wrote a Hard Time with the Truth with John Anderson and uh and Dan. Uh wrote a lot of stuff with Pat McLaughlin. I don't okay. know if you know Pat. Pat uh, used to play with John Prine, been around forever in the Cowboy Jack camp, you know, just uh just a badass guitar slinging machine. Uh, Ronnie Bowman, who's a big bluegrasser here in town, who's fantastic. I wrote a couple things with him on there. Uh, big Al Anderson from NRBQ, the New Rhythm and Blues Quartet, one of the top hundred guitar players of all time, according to Guitar Magazine. Uh, so it was it was a lot of really good musicians, you know. That all the guys we wrote with, uh, I, I don't really want to play guitar around them. You know, it, it's yeah. pretty embarrassing to pick up a guitar around those people. So, I mean, obviously, the product that you know that y'all came out with, I, I assume that you're very, very pleased with. 
Oh yeah, I was just and, above and beyond. I mean, it was it was more than I ever dreamed it'd be. You know, and and I, I was hoping it wouldn't alienate the fans I made with Lowdown and Lonesome. And there's still enough of that grit and you know, in your face, punchy in the eye stuff. I think I'll make some fans that I wouldn't have got with Lowdown and Lonesome with that record. Well, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I completely I'm, agree. I am. I'm totally thrilled. And we're getting a lot of really cool stuff this year. And I had some really good advice from from Stapleton. I toured with Stapleton, you know, in the fall and. And he came out of nowhere, and uh, he's probably more rock and roll than rock and roll people. You know, Chris oh, is. I, yeah. And his oh, advice yeah, was, you know, he's is. like, play these, instead of all these mainstream country festivals, he said, play these rock and roll festivals where you're at the small tent over by the shitters, and, and you'll be the most rock and roll and dude there. And you're the country guy, and you'll be the most rock and roll guy there. Go play those with those obscure people that you don't know who they are because they're a different kind of music, the rock and He's like, that's where you're going to make die diehard fans. He's at. absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, and he is. Yeah, and we're playing a lot of those this year, and yeah. I'm super excited about it. Hell yeah, man! You should be. Yeah, because that's usually where I was. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Now if I could just get on a Cody Jinx tour, <laughs> I mean, shit. You know, I've been working on that for hell. I had to sign with True Grit just to even get considered, <laughs> just to, just to sit down with, <laughs> just him. to sit down with him. <laughs> you know, and people people think that I have a lot more. Pull on that than I do. Oh, I know who pulls the strings, and I've been leaning on him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, uh, I know who the puppet master is. I tell you what, man, I, I, I'm like, I'll get a text from all my friends that I love and write with, and have played with, and toured with, and it's like, hey, you know, if we can, you know, get on this string of shows, this string of shows, or can we get on some shows, you know, so, and I'm like, I want to tell everybody, like, just yes, let's just take this. <laughs> Like everybody, let's just go. A package show. And it'll be the most dynamic. We'll have to do, you know, some obscene stuff. I don't know what we'll have to do. We'll have to do uh, two shows a day to get everybody in. I don't know. I would love to do that, but we can't do that. You know? I get it. I but get it. it's... it's, uh, it's well, hell what, with everybody else, the way I look at it. But, well, to screw everybody else, <laughs> put me on a damn Cody tour. Exactly. No, we are. I, I would love to. And I've talked, I've talked with uh, Arthur. Sure. About that, yeah, I'm just giving you shit. I know, I know. It'll happen but that's what happens. you do. That's what you do, man. It's going to be giving me shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, somebody's got to do it. Everybody <laughs> can't be your yes man. <laughs> right. You know, somebody has to tell you that you really look, the way it is. You just, you just that look your hands your, are really yeah, small. There's way too many people kissing Jinx ass. Exactly. That, yeah. Ward being one of them. He's biggest <laughs> ass kisser. I, he'll, he'll, every time he tweet or tweets something or Facebook something, it's Cody. Cody Jinx blah blah. I was like what? And I'll, I'll screenshot it and send it to Jinx and, and Ward and Art. And be like, oh yeah. What makes a man to be this big of a suck ass? I yeah, just I can't. Do. I got. I don't get it. It's it's what you said before. He, he's like the cat that you accidentally fed. You feed. He's like an old stray cat. You feed him, and he he just hangs around and he never leaves. I've known Ward, hey, I love I, you, I've known Ward Davis a long, long. We we were okay, That's okay, how we met. That's how we got sure. back. Let's, let's we I got love back Ward to Davis. As much too. shit as I give the guy, I love. Love that dude. Yeah. I met him. Uh, I think our uh, he had a publisher at the time, and I, I guess they introduced us. And uh, I don't even remember how who introduced us, but uh, yeah, we wrote some songs together and had a lot of fun. And I had been there the day the notorious punch day. Yeah, we, we won't get into uh, that. I, We've talked about, and it was. Uh, <laughs> I hate that I left that day. I wish I could have seen it. I know the guy who punched well. Yeah. And I've actually seen him a couple of times. I, I ran into him at a, <laughs> at a BMI event here or something after after show party thing. And, well, he ran into a Ward Davis. And, and he, was, he, said, he said, hold that door, you know, cocked off. And we're friends. And he, he cocked off about something. And I said, and he was with a bunch of his cronies. And I said, 
Don't make me Ward Davis, you. And, <laughs> and the color just drained out of his face. He did not like it whatsoever. It was funny as hell. <laughs> did you really? And they all and they all died laughing. Oh, my and he was just like, that ain't cool. I'm like, that oh, was cool funny. as hell, actually. <laughs> that's fantastic. But he's my buddy, too, so I can, I can say funny. shit like that. Yeah, you can talk. You, you got the time with him. You can talk some shit. Oh, yeah. I Absolutely. love it. Well, it's, it. well, instantly, I guess, you know, the shit talking comes natural. Ward Davis introduced us, so. Sure, and he's a shit talker too. Gosh, well, and sometimes one, a he'll, pretty good one. He'll beat you home. We we're talking about that. <laughs> Talked about that earlier, man. It's like I, I'm not giving him my address. He's like, he's like, <laughs> yeah, you don't hey, want to do that. When are you gonna be home? I'm like when I come home, twenty seventh. You know, he's like, all right, I'll be there on the twenty seventh. A couple of different occasions, I've come home and Ward Davis has been there before me. <laughs> we're gonna write for a couple of days. We yeah. always write some good, good songs. Hell yeah, write some good songs, get him out of there. Yeah. That's what you got to do. It's like, I know he just wants a couple tunes. Let's write him so he can get on the, <laughs> get on down the road. No, man, about about two days of being away from civilization, <laughs> he's ready to go back. I bet he is. I mean, he's a road dog, man. He's out there working he hard. He is, man. He's The last couple of years, he, uh, he's he been hitting it really tough. I remember he called me oh sometime last year, and he said, you know, broke broke down again and blah 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 and da 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 and I said all that shit needs to happen to you about ten more times before you call me bitching about it exactly you had to bait him out of jail lately (laughs) (laughs) not since Hayes Kansas Hayes Kansas notorious home but you beat him to the jail he beats me to my house (laughs) but I beat him to the jail yeah in Hayes Kansas no he hadn't been uh, he hadn't been back that I know of Uh, they probably won't have him back. God. Oh, I, I thought you meant in Hayes, Kansas. You mean in jail? Okay, yeah, I, I meant uh, both of them. Yeah, they probably don't want them back either place. Did you grow up uh, like living in the same place? Do you do a lot of moving around? How how did that work for you? Growing up as a kid? Yeah. Oh no, I said same place my whole life. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. yeah. Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois. Yep. Where at? So out, even uh, after out you graduated, country, a little, little place called West End. It was in between Thompsonville and Glacier. Because oh, everybody knows where the fuck. Well, yeah, Glacier's nine hundred people. Tomfield's six hundred. You don't know where it's at? Uh, no, huh? Please I'll expand. It's, uh, oh, I need you to uh, zoom a long, long damn way. Long I need way. you to zoom it's out about on the map. Thirty-five miles north of Paducah, Kentucky. So still, I still Carbondale, need more. Carbondale, I, Illinois. Marion. I know Carbondale's Car- SIU. I, I know, I know Carbondale and Paducah. I've heard yeah. Paducah. Paducah, yeah. Carbondale's SIU. It's college town. I seen Hank Jr. there. That's okay. what he's famous for. Played, you know. They had the SIU arena. That was a lot of good, little good concerts. So, what, what kind of home was it? A single story, two story? Uh, well, I grew up in a regular house. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was uh, fourteen. Uh, it was a weird year. My house burnt. Our house burnt. Uh, my oldest brother got killed, and my parents got divorced in the same year. Oh my! Mm. So it was a wow. rough year for a fourteen. Youngest, I was the youngest I was kid about to say, at, wow. that, at that time. Uh, and then uh, I, I lived with my dad and. Uh, after our house burnt, we built, built a pole barn, and we lived in a metal building with one window and a dirt floor for a long time, and then uh, finally made enough money to concrete it, and it was right uptown. <laughs> wow. So, I had, yeah, I had, uh, if I could dive into my dad's stories, I mean, my dad was, uh, is, I mean, he's still, he's still around, still wild and crazy as ever, but... Uh, it was an interesting so, so those formidable years were around just you and your dad. Yeah, yeah. My mom. I mean, she was still you know well, present I mean, in yes, my life. You know, yes, at, at that sure. she passed but a couple of years ago, but she was she was you, present in my life. Yeah, you she lived was, with him. Though. I lived with him, and you know, he uh, from the time I was ten years old till I moved out. I mean, it was like uh, I'd go I'd go play in bars, and he'd get 
free beer and I'd get beef jerky and pickled eggs and yeah. tips. You know, so he would he always had me in honky tonks and uh as weird as it was as a kid growing up that way, uh it probably it definitely helped my music, you know. When when did you start that? When I was ten is when I started going out and playing. Nope. Are you serious? Yeah. You didn't do your homework mm-hmm. I had I, I didn't I didn't go back that far. Yeah, yeah. I knew that I might should have brought it up yep, though. I should have too. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I, I, this I, I, is I, I, good I, information to know. And he was uh, like I, I said, don't want to go too far in, he in, was, in he was, research. I no, you're doing great. This is awesome. Because I'm notoriously known around Nashville. They'd say, tell us some stories about your dad. You know, we'd, we'd talk about my dad. And- <laughs> yeah. No, that reminds wow. me. of. I remember my dad one time, was uh, he was working up underneath one of my trucks. I had an old uh, 87 F-150. And I don't know what he was doing up under there because I'm not mechanically inclined. Nor am I. Yeah. And... Uh, my dad's working transmission shop since he was like 13 years old. So he knows a little bit and he's up there and he's, he's working. He's got his arms stretched out and his, his belly was kind of hanging out the bottom of his shirt, you know? I wouldn't know anything about that guy. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we wouldn't. Either. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was looking, I was like, I saw this like weird looking little round scar. And I was like, it's like, dad, it's like, what happened? He's like, what happened? What you know? I was like, what happened right there? And belly. There's a scar. He was like, which one? It's like this round yeah, one. Did you have uh-huh. to touch it for him to know which one it was? <laughs> that one. Is that what he's basically making you do? Touch it. And he goes, "Oh, I got shot." I was like, "Yes, shot." Yeah. What kind of gun was it? He goes, "I didn't stick around to ask him." <laughs> oh. I was with my dad when he got shot, nineteen eighty six. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, he had he was dating this barmaid, and I liked her because she had a nice car and she let me drive her car, and they had a very rough relationship. You know, it was like arguing, fighting all the time, and drinking and and acting the fool. And uh, we was all at the bar one day, and she left us up there, and uh, my sister lived in that town. He said, "Call your sister, tell her we need to borrow a car. We got to get home. She's down there cleaning me out and uh, stealing all this shit." And uh, so I got my sister's car and and drove down there and drove home. And sure enough, she she had a trunk full of guns and had loaded loaded it all up. Was cleaning them out. And mm. he said, "Son, take those guns in the house." And he was arguing with her. And he said something to her. And he, he had the last, he had stuck he had a thirty eight and he stuck it in his back pocket. And and he was like, "Get out of here!" And he turned his back on her. And when he turned his back on her, she grabbed it out of his back pocket, shot him three times, and shot at me. And we just filled. The driveway, we had some holes in the driveway and just like filled it up with some big brick, you know, some busted up rock. And so I started chunking them rocks at her and getting her attention enough where I could sneak over there and grab him up and put him in the car. And shit, she reloaded, got behind us, chased us town, hanging out the windows like the Starskin Hutch. Holy Shot wow. at us on the way to town. It was pretty wild. Sounds like a No him. wonder he sings like he yeah. did. Yeah. Wow, man. Good God. Yeah, it was pretty wild. Have you? So, have I, saw, you uh, I saw shit like that all my whole life. My dad, he was a brawler. He'd go out and fight all the time at every weekend. I mean, he was a coal miner, welder, and barroom brawler. He'd go out if, if he couldn't find somebody to fight. He'd fight Maverick, his nephew, which was a few years younger than him. And he beat the hell out of poor old Maverick. Maverick's a good old boy. But, uh, he knocked Maverick's so, teeth out. Maverick and was all, all of his front somebody. teeth was was gone. And then Dad bought him false ones at least two two times I know of. And knock them out too, God, and 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 Maverick could just he'd get a few in him, and he'd you'd see him over in a corner, and Maverick start doing that, <laughs> oh, and, no. and Dad'd be like, "Don't you start that shit, Maverick!" And he'd beat the hell out of him. Just I mean, dad, wear him out. My dad had a had a friend named Larry that they had 
that kind of relationship. It's and, weird as hell. It's weird. It is weird because my dad was that guy too. And yeah, you know, shot and stabbed and all that. Sure. All that good shit. But uh, he and Larry were on their way home from a bar one night and they were both drunk. And Larry was talking shit. He said, Steve, I can whip your ass. And my dad's like, you ain't whipping my ass. He's like, shut up. You're drunk. You can't whip my ass. Like, just keeps going down the road, going down the road. I can whip your ass. Dad's like, I'm not... I'm not going to tell you again. You can't whip my ass or I'm going to get out this truck and beat you. I think I can whip your ass. <laughs> Dad, you say it one more time. I'm going to break your leg and roll you down the hill. They're driving, you know, stops, gets out, pulls him out the truck, breaks his leg, rolls him down the hill. Damn. Left him. I'm glad I don't No, and then he stood up the at the hospital. top of the hill and it's like, <laughs> shit, I got to get this dumb bastard back up in the hill. Him back Did up I there. at least break your leg like I said I was going to? Uh, Dad had a couple cousins, Dallas and Don, and uh, they they was just old boys that went to town about twice a year. You know, shade tree mechanics always work. I'll fix anything. And we, I was playing this place in Pittsburgh, Illinois, called the Pit Stop one time. It went out there and I was, I don't know, it was probably, it was early 80s. I was probably 83, somewhere in that area because we had a, a Pretty new Chevy S10, and we bought it in '82. I'd always ride in the back of the truck, you know, have the windows, the sliding windows open, and Dallas and Dom sitting there, and Dab's driving. Dad always had the 1022 behind his seat, always carried a Ruger behind his seat. And on the way home, Dallas was sitting in the middle, and he was a little ornery, and uh, he was about 10 years older than Dad, and it was his cousin. He'd reach over and he'd turn the key off, you know, and he'd lock your steering wheel and he'd turn the key off. <laughs> And he'd done that about twice, and finally Dad just elbowed him just dead in the nose, just hard as you could right in the face, just bam, you know, nailed him and started the truck back up and pulled that 1022 Ruger out and made me hold it, put one in the chamber. I put it on safety. I scared it was going to go off. He said if he even looks at that steering wheel, shoot him. He said and if you shoot him, shoot Don too because he'll, he'll be witnessing it. And I was like, of course, it scared me to death. I was 12, 13 years old. <laughs> And them son of a bitch just didn't move a muscle. Has he oh, met Billy Don Burns? They didn't. God. I have not met Billy Don, Don oh Burns. Oh, my goodness. I, this, I, this I, I think a, you two could have some This is a Billy Don stories. Burns top story, yeah. Oh, my Lord. This is crazy. Stapleton, he'll still, I'll go out on the road with him, and all of his people will be like, man, tell us about your dad a little bit. Because I tell Chris these stories. And, and he showed up at a show when we done back in the fall. Dad didn't. I text Chris. I said, my dad's here looking for it. And he was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Don't tell him what room I'm in. <laughs> What's really funny is I just started off with the question, what type of home was you, were you raised in? Well, and I you thought one. it was really funny. Yeah. In my head, I was like, what if he actually takes it as a physical question yeah. of like, well, single story? It works. Yeah. We just got some of the best uh, stories of the yeah. day I mean, out yeah. of that. So, Kendall, we always ask this question, either me or Cody or Josh. Is there anything that you travel with that somebody would find weird in your bag? Like, is there anything when you leave that you always pack? Somebody would be like, man, why do you have that? Well, Guillermo, let me think on that for a second. <laughs> Other than that big black dildo. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't travel on those? We used I had to, to stop. We, I kept getting flagged at TSA. <laughs> uh Probably not. I mean, I don't. I don't know that I travel with anything weird. Hmm. Yeah, you know, not that anybody. What else. have you got stopped for that you forgot that you had? I never. For, if I have something I shouldn't have, I don't forget. I don't have it. You know, or, or I don't forget I have it. Type I mean, thing. Cody. <laughs> Cody forgot that he had fifty rounds of ammo one time. So I, I mean, I had a, a gun here now. Oh yeah, he, oh yeah, Bobby and Bobby Keith with a nine millimeter. Mm. Loaded, yeah, loaded. You took the rap, didn't you? You took the they fall. You the fall. You the fall oh, guy. Yeah. No, that no, was, was by myself. No, he was by himself. Yeah, I. Uh, 
They just put me in a room asking a bunch of questions. I ended up being able to get on my flight, but. Oh, you try to carry it on a flight? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Forgot. Oh, well, that's ignorant as hell. I know. <laughs> well, that's terrible. just your stupidness there. That's terrible. <laughs> Cody as well. He was Cody trying to get on a flight. I got caught too. I, I, I tried to get on with. They say it happens. Uh, they say it's fun. Not traveling, but uh, like that. But we went to see one of my dad's childhood friends in the Marion Federal Penitentiary. Oh, but this involves with, your dad. With so. ammo. With ammo in the glove okay. box, and they wouldn't let us in. Damn. You know, and of course, at the time, it was the most secure prison in the world. You know, it was where Falcon and the Snowman and Leonard Peltier was, you know, at the time. So it was like John Gotti type shit. But besides that, no, I, I, I'm usually pretty. I, I check my bags. And I've, I've had to, uh, especially in Alaska, I've had a couple of buddies leave their bag up there and text me. It's like, hey, bring my bag back. And I'm going to go through their bag, bet your ass, before I put it on an airplane. Oh, ride. hell yeah. No, because that's a horrible, fe- it's a sinking yeah. feeling whenever your bag goes through and they go, Whose bag, Who's is, this? bag is this? Yeah. Yeah. And then step over here. Well, and in my case, I had uh, a box of ammunition in my backpack that I forgot about, but I had a single 380 round in the pocket of my jacket. I don't know why. I just had it there. Just that one in case things get bad. Yeah, just that one, man. <laughs> Apocalypse. That's it. Just that one. That last one for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's a weird feeling. They, it goes through. It goes, mm. I was like, I know what it is. I'm sorry, sir. I had that single 380 round in my jacket pocket, and he goes, yeah, and he was holding it up like this in his fingers. He goes, that's that's not that big a deal. And then he held up the full the box 50. of shells. <laughs> <laughs> this is? He goes, he goes this is bad. <laughs> I mean, I've flown with some pot before, but a little bit of pot. Besides that, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, nothing they're going to put me in prison over. No. Guess. Well, they're not worried about flying with pot anymore. No, they're right. not. Yeah. Especially with those. But it was six pounds. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little bit. Not really. We had a friend fly back a couple of years ago um, with the initials JP from Las Vegas. John Party? Uh, uh, no, not John Party. <laughs> we not do a, not know him. We, so, uh, not, nope, not John Party. Yeah, he, he, uh, he had some. And he had, he had a whole shitload rolled up in his socks. They checked the and they bag. They checked the bag. They left him a note in the bag. They left the TSA note in his bag. <laughs> never found it. I mean, never wow. messed with it. Didn't take it. Nothing. Nothing. Pretty. Low. They don't care about that shit. They're just looking for bombs. Right. Stuff, stuff's going to tear up airplanes. Yeah. Yep. So uh, I think before we wrap up, what, what do you have? Um, do you have any specific dates this uh, coming 2020 that you want to... Well, I'm doing a lot of a lot of festivals. A lot of it hadn't been announced well, yet. So, I mean, know, so, shaky so, Boots and a lot, a lot of cool festivals. So where do people go to... I go to, to my website, KendallMarvel.com. KendallMarvel.com. Sure. Same thing it's on Facebook. There. I'll be touring Stapleton this summer. Yeah, me and him and uh, Cheryl Crow and uh, Hank Jr. is doing some stuff with us. And are, So are you going to be part of that stadium tour that he's with uh, Straight On? Uh, I'm not on that one, uh, but I, okay. I'm i doing a... I'm, we're doing Brave Stadium with me well, and so him. Well, so I, I guess since you oh, know him, I, I assume he's... I mean, is he pretty stoked about that? Who Stapleton? Yeah. Well, hell yeah, he's stoked. Anytime he can play with George, who wouldn't be? If you're not stoked, I mean, I, I just no I shit. Don't, I don't know what like I don't know question. what these people. Man, that dude, I tell you, think he, about. He has changed one bit. He treats everybody. Sorry, that, I'm, his whole crew of people that work with him are so pro. They they treat people. He knows what it's like to be out there and bust your ass well, in a good. band, and he makes it where you don't. I mean, have because to. he he did it. I just sure he's done it. So they treat people. Fantastic, and he's he wakes up every day, and I've asked him before. I said, "Does it freak you out? You know, I mean, that you went from because I mean, he literally went from playing two hundred seat clubs to selling uh, arenas out overnight, and it was just like 
uh, he said, I wake up every day and think, I can't believe, I can't. So it sounds like it. to me like it's not that he has to do that. No, because not at he all. could probably make more yeah. money doing his own. But because he got ass, he's like. Because George it's Strait. George Strait. Oh, okay. hell yeah. Who cool. wouldn't do it? That's, that's all yeah. I need to know. I don't care how big you are. That's I love it. I don't care how big you are. You're never it. bigger than George Strait. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Are you beautiful, playing beautiful. Yeah. SunTrust Park in Atlanta? Baseball is stadium? That is, is, yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know if you're doing the baseball or football. Uh, baseball. Awesome. Yeah. Kick ass, man. Awesome. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, man. That was it's been great. Hell yeah, man. Thanks for coming. All right. KindleMarvel.com. Kendall Marvel on Facebook, Instagram. Twitter at Kendall Marvel, Instagram, Kendall underscore Marvel. Oh, you should probably uh, spell Kendall yeah. out because it is a little. little no, weird. that's how you're supposed to spell it. Well, I know, but I didn't do it when I tried to Google you. So, oh, uh, well, see, K E N D E L L. There you go, Kendall. The way Kendall. the way Kendall. real men spell Kendall. That's it. That's no right. A's. Well, no, no A's involved. Nope. In that. All, All right. vowels. Marvel, just like well, the comic. But here's what? here's the thing too, though. <sighs> Kendall's Kendall's not. I don't. I don't consider. I, my first name is Meredith. So mm-hmm. I mean, did you get wait? Sh- did you just say hmm? Mm-hmm. Did you did you get did you shit? Your first name was Meredith. You didn't know Meredith. this. Yeah, I did not know that. No. I mean, did you get shit growing up? Did people think Kendall was like a female name? Well, hell no. I'd beat the hell out of them. <laughs> Look at his Have head. you seen the bet- between the before yeah, and after? I mean, of, of you want you want to compare hand size again? I mean. You probably get the hell beat out of you. I did not. Well, I no, just, just shoot kidding. your big ass. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I did not know that was your name. But no, I don't. I don't ever recall getting any shit about my name. Okay. But I mean, I small. Town. Well, we'll I'm, just edit this I out too. Well, yeah. And then fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> All this it'll just be uh, Kendall Marvel. Solid gold sounds. Go check it out. There we go. <laughs> That's, it. That's it. Hey man, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Uh, we had a blast. I know you're leaving tomorrow, but uh, safe travels, my friend. You as well, my friend. And um, until we run into each other again, man, be good. Adios. All right, you're listening to A Couple In with Cody Jinks, Bobby Keith, Josh Thompson, our good uh, good friend Kendall Marvel, and we'll see you next time. See you, buddy. Thanks for being here. See you.